about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, take your Bibles tonight, go to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Father, we thank you once again for your word tonight. We thank you that your word brings revelation into our hearts. Father, go by our minds tonight, by our thought life, by our reason, right into our spirit, man, so that we have a divine explosion of revelation from your word. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to the cross so he'd suffer and died so that we could walk in divine health, that you would separate your church from the world by those who now walk in divine health no matter what's going on in the natural realm, that we would be an example to each and every every one of them, and we can complain or proclaim that we do not get sick. We're not worried about it because Jesus has already healed us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We thank you for revelation tonight by your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 27. Short verse says, Neither give place to who? Notice, neither give place to the devil. One translation says, Do not give any place to the devil. One says, shut the door on the devil. Another one says, lock the devil out. We found out already from our studies that devil and demons inflict sickness, disease on people. Jesus called sickness and disease basically demonic oppression. That's what he referred it as. Now notice here it says, basically in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Notice that's your responsibility. It is not God's responsibility. If God tells you not to give place to the devil, he only tells you that because you can. He does not tell you things that you cannot do. So I want to give the devil no place. I don't want to give place in my thought life. I don't want to give place in my soul. I don't want to give him place in my body. I don't want to give him place anywhere. So give no place to the devil, to his works, to his thoughts, to his suggestions, to his devices, and that is our job to not give place to the devil. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 3. Paul says, But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Once again, it shows you the difference here between Christ and also through the serpent, which is the devil. It's talking about him here. It tells you that Satan comes for what reason? To corrupt your mind to get in your thought life. Satan's attacks are designed to get into your soul, get into your heart, basically to alter the way that you are thinking and to get you to think against God's Word, to get you to think anti-God's Word. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can think of yourself for the Word of God as a victor, or you can think of yourself as a victim. You can think of yourself as a winner or a loser. You can have a sickly attitude or you can have a healed attitude. It makes a difference. As a man thinks in his heart, he will be. If he can get you to think that you are getting sick, you will end up getting sick. If he can get you to think that you are sick, you will then live sick. 
If he can get you to fear sickness more than believe in the word, you will end up living in sickness and disease at some time. Verse 3 says, corrupt you from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice, whenever the devil's talking to you, many times he's talking to you and coming from many different angles. When God talks to you, it's usually simple. God just speaks his word. In Christ, it's simple. What does God say? You're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You're redeemed by the blood. He bare your sins so you could get saved. He buried your sicknesses so you could live healed. God uses few words to eliminate all the other words that the devil tries to put in your mind. So notice the attack is against your thought life, against your soul. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here's another thing that you are required to do. You are required to cast down thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against God's Word. In other words, what God's Word has already said. What things are they? Well, every thought, every imagination, every report, everything that comes to your mind. The Word of God tells you already that through the stripes of Jesus, you are healed and you are redeemed. So that tells me that any anti-healed or anti-redeemed thought must be dealt with immediately. You get a thought that, oh my gosh, the Rona's gone around and where everybody's getting it on my block and I'm going to get it. You immediately need to hit that thing with, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. That's what God's Word says. And get that out of your mind before it takes root. People think, I think I'm coming down with something. How many of you know if you think you're coming down with something, you will probably come down with something. People sneeze all the time. Oh, geez, I'm catching a cold. You don't want to do that. You don't want to put your mouth to it and your mind to it. A lot of people say, well, mom had this and dad had this and grandpa had this, so it runs in the family. Well, it's time to stop it from running in the family by using your word of God to cast down thoughts and imaginations. And notice what it says, bring them into the obedience of Christ. In other words, what Christ has said, you want to obey that. You want to come into agreement with that in every area of your life. Do not let them get into your imagination. If sickness and disease starts or pain starts coming on your body and the devil comes pretty soon in your imaginations, you're seeing yourself sick, then you're seeing yourself in bed, then you're seeing yourself with a fever, then you see yourself missing work, then you see yourself going broke, and it just goes on and on. The devil doesn't stop in your imagination. So I want to start, stop that at the beginning, don't I? As soon as a thought comes, I want to say, no, praise God, I walk in divine health. Jesus already healed me. Praise God, it's in my redemption, and I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I want to hit that thing right away before my imagination runs away with basically what's going on. It works the same way, you know, in finances. A couple of people get laid off in your job, and pretty soon you're going to be the ne- I'm going to be the next one. Praise God, I know I'm next in line. I just bought a new car. They're going to take my car from me, and I get a health mortgage. They're going to take my house for Pretty soon you lost your car, your mortgage. You're living in a cardboard box on the street corner, and you haven't even got fired yet, for God's sakes. Why is that? Because your imagination will take you places beyond the natural realm. Are you listening? Your imagination will take you places beyond the natural realm, and they'll take you into either realm you want to go with with your imagination. You can go into the kingdom of God with your imagination, or you can go to the kingdom of darkness, which you've already been delivered from by your imagination simply by thinking on something. If you think on the wrong thing long enough, it will become what they call a stronghold. Say stronghold. 
Now, a stronghold is something that you've thought about for a long time, meditated on for a long time, and in that case, you may need deliverance from someone who has the anointing of God who knows how to break that stuff off of your life because it's been there. But the best way to get delivered with everything in your life is simply through the Word of God. The Bible says the Spirit of God's on the inside of you. He's there to lead you and to guide you into all truth. And if you know the truth, it will set you free. So basically, the only reason why you're bound is because you're listening to a lie to begin with. You're believing a lie to begin with. And because of the lie, it takes you into bondage. Well, I want to listen to the truth. I want to listen to what the Bible says. I want to listen to what God says. That's why the Bible says you need to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Praise God. So when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, the swine flu's gone around, you should say, yeah, right around my house. Praise God. It ain't coming anywhere near my house. They ain't going to do that. TV will be sitting there and now one of the commercials will say, do you have back pain? I'll say, no. Do you? Why is that? They're trying to talk you into things. They're trying to get you to say things. They want you to buy medicine even before you need medicine. Why? Because you sure are going to get sick sometime, praise God. So you better stock up and you better get ready. Why do they? They want you to expect sickness and disease. They want you to prepare for sickness and disease. They want you to get sick because they need your money for their product. How many know there's no money in by the stripes of Jesus you've been healed? Nobody makes any money off that, see, and it's all about the money. There's no money and you're eternally redeemed. The solution to health care in the United States right now is healing. Amen. It's not lower prices. It's not better drugs. It's simply healing, knowing that you're born again in the kingdom of God. You're a king and a priest, and you have divine rights to live in divine health in every single area of your life. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to cast down every high thing, every thought, every word that I hear, and I'm going to bring it into the obedience of what the Word of God has already told me. Now, how many know it's important to know what the Word of God has already told you if you're going to bring it into the Word of God agreement? So you've got to know what God has already said and what God's will is in your life in order to bring it into agreement to those things. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You can talk about sickness and disease all you want in the world and in church, and you'll never be, you'll never be picked on for it. But you talk about the, the stripes of Jesus, you'll get in trouble every single time. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 10. Paul says, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, unless Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his what? Devices. So here it says Satan could possibly get an advantage over a child of God. Now notice, you already have the advantage or else he wouldn't have to try to get the advantage from you that you already have. Are you following me? So when Jesus went to the cross due to the cross and the blood, you have the advantage as soon as you get born into the kingdom of God. Satan comes to try to get that advantage over you. How does he do it? He uses devices and schemes, influences, and thoughts. He comes at you to get out of agreement with God. One device is to keep you ignorant of His devices. How I many of you don't know they're His devices and you're wondering whether they're God or His, you're going to have a hard time resisting those because you don't know who it is. A lot of people say, well, I think God just allows sickness and puts sickness on me. Then how are you going to stand against something that God put on you? You should be rejoicing for your sickness because you want to be in line with God who put it on you. See, it doesn't even make sense, praise God. So one device is ignorance. What are the tools that, that give an advantage and give place in your life? Look at verse 10 again. 
to whom you forgive anything I forgive also, for if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Unforgiveness. Say unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, unforgiveness is demonic. It is a device of the devil. It's there to gain access into your soul and into your body. Unforgiveness is tolerated in the church. Unforgiveness, everybody puts up with it. Everybody sympathizes with it. Oh, that's what they did to you, all oh, whatever. Unforgiveness is demonic. It is a device of the devil to get into your life, to either get some kind of influence in your life. Say unforgiveness. unforgiveness. All right, go to Mark chapter 11. All right, Mark chapter 11, look at verse 25. Jesus is speaking. He says, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, say any. Now notice, not just the ones who, who you can tolerate, not just the ones, but those other ones that really did something to you, well, then I just don't have to forgive those. No, he says any, that includes everything. Therefore I say unto you, basically, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So this tells you here that unforgiveness basically is a spiritual flow stopper. If you're living in unforgiveness, you can pray all you want and believe all you want, but it's not going to work for you because you're living in unforgiveness and you're disconnected from God to begin with. You're out of alignment. You're out of righteousness with the kingdom of God or right standing in the kingdom of God. Here it says when you stand praying, whether it's against symptoms or for something, it will not work. Why? Because unforgiveness will cripple faith and corrupt your soul. Whenever you deal in unforgiveness, it attacks your thought life and your soul. You constantly think on what that person did to you and how terrible it was. You constantly think on how to get that person back some way or another. You constantly think and talk about how you were mistreated and how everybody needs to know. What is it doing? It's consuming and occupying your thought life. If you forgive, here it says, your father may forgive you, if not forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. Now, why is that? Just because I don't forgive, God gets mad at me and says, well, if you ain't going to forgive, then I ain't going to forgive either. No, because it's a spiritual law. What you sow, you will reap. If you sow forgiveness, it allows God to forgive you because that's the spiritual law. If you don't forgive, it, it breaks the spiritual law, and God cannot forgive you. So what you reap, you will sow. People say all the time when I'm ministering to people, I say, well, they don't deserve it. Well, did you? I mean, did you deserve it when you got saved? No, you did not either, praise God. But Jesus went to the cross anyway. So unforgiveness is a device of the devil. It's a flow stopper. It gives place to the devil. Say, I guard my heart from all unforgiveness. How many know that's very important? If you get time later tonight, you may want to go home and just say, Lord, is there somebody in my life that I'm walking in unforgiveness? And many times, if you're a born-again Christian following God, you will not have to go to God and get a special time to figure it out. You will know. Well, I don't know if I forgave them or not. Oh, yes, you do. Well, I thought I forgive them. No, you know whether you did or whether you didn't. You know. You can make up excuses for it because you don't want to, but you either did or you didn't, praise God. And you've got to make up your mind which one, hallelujah. And the Bible says, you know, if you walk in unforgiveness, you're actually delivered to the tormentors. People have a lot of problems in their life. Why? Because of unforgiveness. All right, go to Proverbs 18.
All right, Proverbs 18, look at verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Notice, here's another thing that runs rampant in the church, probably more than unforgiveness, offense. Say offense. Offense Offense is a device of the devil. It's demonic. It's an epidemic in the church. Many Christians basically hold on to offense all their time. Many people go to a church for a little while. Somebody offends them. They get mad. They leave, and they carry that offense to the next church. And in that next church, they get offended again, and they leave that church. Pretty soon, they're gone church to church with 45 offenses, and it's the last thing you need in your church is an offended person because hurt people hurt people. Whenever they're hurt, they want to hurt somebody else. They think that makes them feel better or whatever. That's why you've got to stay clear of offenses. There's no reason for you to get offensive about anything. Offense is a device of the devil. Offense, here it says, builds walls between people like bars of a castle to keep others out. Offense basically hits you in your emotions. It hits you in your feelings. Then it gets into your thought life and into your imagination. Quickly, you will start to think negative about people to the point where you can't even be around those people anymore. In other words, you get offended in the church, and you come in church late, and you see what side Sister Susie's on, and bless God, you're going to make sure you sit on the other side, just because you might run into Sister Susie sometime, and you don't want to talk to her right now. You're not mad at her. You forgave her, but you just don't want to see her right now. That's just the way it is. See, if you can't walk up to somebody and say, hey, praise God, how you do it, and feel good about it, then you better do something about your situation with that person who's there. And it's very easy to get offended. I mean, it doesn't take much to get people offended at all. People get offended at stupid little things, you know. Uh, they didn't get invited. Somebody had a party in the church, and they didn't get invited to the church, so now they're mad at everybody that got invited, plus the one that didn't invite them, and they're all upset about it. People get mad at me if I walk by them and didn't say hi already. Dear Lord Jesus. Maybe hard to believe, but sometimes when I'm moving through the church or walking fast, I'm actually thinking about something other than you. Come on now. Just could be. You weren't the one on my mind at that time. Are you following me? And I was in a hurry. I was thinking about doing something. I walked by, and here it comes. Here it comes. Well, he walked by her and gave her a hug. He walked by him and gave him five. He didn't give me nothing. And then get all offended about it and all upset. And I'll tell you, the devil will take that. As a matter of fact, that sermon he preached this morning was right at me. He knew everything about my life this morning. Somebody had been talking to him about me. I'm sure of it, praise God. That's why he didn't say hi to me. That's why he walked by me. And, he, you know, he's planned his whole sermon towards me this morning. He just sat there all morning getting ready, to, and it goes on and on and on. And pretty, and pretty soon they get mad, and they leave the church, and two years they come back and say, how you doing? And say, I was mad at you. And I said, for two years? What's the matter with you? I didn't even know you were mad at me, for God's sakes. I just thought you left like everybody else did. I didn't know the difference, praise God. So if you think you're hurting somebody else, you're not, because most of the time they don't even know it. But you're out there fighting your own war, fighting your own mental battle, getting all worked up. People don't like what other people wear. Hey, if you don't like what they wear, don't wear it. If you do, get yourself one. Come on now. The church is so ignorant and so baby-like sometimes, it's absolutely ridiculous, praise God. What are you going to do when you really get offended at something? My gosh, hallelujah. So it says here, offense is a stumbling block. Say stumbling block. Okay, so it's a stumbling block for the person who gets offended. If I'm walking down the street and I stumble and hit my toe on a rock, who gets hurt, the rock or me? You do, don't you? So see, it's a stumbling block for you, not the other person. They didn't bump their toe. You bumped your toe, basically, and it's the thing hurting. Offense, another definition, is the part of the trap to which the bait is attached. The part of the trap to which the bait is attached. It is the trap 
or the snare itself. In other words, the devil will hit you with a thought right away. That, that is the bait right there. You either take that bait or you don't, praise God. I mean, you've just got to change that thought life right away. Go to Mark chapter 4. All right, Mark 4, look at verse 17. And it says, Here's the people who have no root of the word of God in themselves, and so endure but for a time. But afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended or they stumble. So here it's talking about offense again. It says you've heard the word of God, and you can become offended. But notice, not only offended because someone did something to you, but you can be offended basically because you're simply a Christian. In other words, you've been coming now. This is your fourth, fourth week to buy his stripes. I'm healed. Praise God. And I'm healed. And I'm telling the whole world, praise God, I'm healed. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. What about the virus? Virus doesn't take me because, praise God, I'm healed. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And people say, well, you're nuts. You're crazy. Everybody gets sick sometime. It's going to get on you, that's for sure. And they get mad at you. They won't talk to you anymore. So you've got an opportunity to get offended there. So you just keep saying it. Then all at once you come down with symptoms. And you think, well, that dumb pastor, that idiot, been telling me I'm healed all along. And now I've got sickness. This is ridiculous. I don't believe the word. I don't believe the pastor. I'm mad at the whole world right now. I'm mad at everybody, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, you've got to remember now, everything that you get from the Bible and everything that you learn is a seed in your life. In other words, you're getting the seed for walking in divine health right now. As long as you water that seed and keep it growing, how many know it'll grow up and it'll produce 30, 60, and 100-fold sooner or later? How many of you, if you ever went to the doctor, you weren't feeling good, he gave you pills, you took the first pill and you felt great? Oh, one pill, I'm back to normal. No, it takes about three days, four days of taking that pill. Why? It was a process in your body to change it. It's the same way with the Word of God in your thought life and your spirit. Many times a seed has to be planted. Many people didn't even know that God had healed them to some point. So that's a seed that's planted. So you want to water that. You want to keep it to grow. You want to listen to more healing things. You want to meditate on the healing scriptures. What are you doing? You're growing a crop of healing on the inside of you, basically, till it comes to a point where you get revelation. Say revelation. See, the first day that you got, you went down the altar and you received Jesus, your Lord and Savior, and they said, you're saved, hallelujah, and you walked out the back door, you thought, nothing happened to me. What do they mean I'm saved? And the devil came along and said, you ain't saved. You can't pray a prayer and be saved. You've got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you've got to fast for 42,000 years, and you've got to never sin in the next 25 years, and then you'll be saved. And you call somebody, and they say, no, you're saved. The Bible says you confess the word, praise God, and you are saved, praise God. And it took you a while to even tell somebody else. People come up, I heard you got saved. Well, I think I did. You know, I went, down, I went down and I said the prayer, but... And now somebody walks up to you after you've been saved for so many years and said, are you saved? Dang right, I'm saved. I'm born again, spirit-filled, full of the Holy Ghost. How can you say that? Because I am. What happened? It took you a while. Are you following me? It took you a while to get to that place to understand your salvation. It's going to take you a while to get to, to divine health. It's going to take you a while to get financially. It's going to take you a while to cast all your cares on Him. It's going to take you a while to get all these things out of your feelings and emotions and learn how to control them and walk in those things in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So if you're going to grow out of babyhood in Christianity, there's a good chance you sooner or later you're going to get persecuted. The Bible says those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I'll bet we don't have that scripture underlined in our Bibles, do we? So verse 17 says, offense comes to keep the word from getting root in your soul. Say root. Say no root. No fruit. 
So you'll never walk in the fruit of divine health if you don't let root get in there. So it comes to affect your soul. Soon it will affect your body. What am I going to do? I'm going to cast down offended thoughts right off the bat. Say, I never become offended. Say, I walk in forgiveness. Say, I give no place to the devil. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. Here's God's remedy for everything in your life. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 44. But I say unto you, say me, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And send rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Don't even the non-saved publicans do that? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the publicans do that. But therefore you need to be perfect even as your Father is Perfect. Hallelujah. How many like that scripture? Isn't that a good one? Praise God. This is God's remedy for you. What does it say? You're going to have to love the offender. You're going to have to bless the offender. You're going to have to do good to the offender. Hi, it's Monday. I just brought you a box of candy because I heard you talking about me yesterday. <laughs> Come on. Pray for the offended. Say, pray for the offended. Now, notice, praying for someone who offends you or someone you need to forgive, basically, is the most powerful thing that you can possibly do. Why? Because it includes all. Love is basically giving your time. How many know if you're going to pray somebody, you're giving your time to do it? When you're praying for them, hopefully you are blessing them rather than cursing them. So praying is a blessing in their life. Doing good to them is praying for them. That would be another good thing. You don't want to curse them, but you want to do good for them. Now, how many know it's a lot easier with our feelings and emotions not to do any of these things, but to do the opposite of those things? I'd rather curse them, praise God, hallelujah. I'd rather, I don't want to pray for them. I ain't going to waste my time to pray for them. If I do, it's going to say, kill them, take them to hell, Lord, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> See? But that isn't the way it works, praise God. We've got to follow what the Word of God does. So when the bait comes, when the thought comes, when something comes, you've got to be ready for it. What am I going to do? I'm going to cast down my thoughts and imaginations. I'm lined back up with the Word of God. I'm going to forgive them right away as soon as it hits me. And you know when it hits you. You know when it's there, and you just want to forgive right away, right then. If you have to go to them and just say, hey, I'm sorry, I, 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 you did something and it offended me, and, and this is what happened, and I just want to tell you that I'm over it and everything and no problem, and just deal with the thing. For God's sakes, don't let it fester on the inside of you because it will grow. Okay, Mark chapter 6. All right, Mark chapter 6, let's just start in verse 1. It says, And he went out thence and came into his own country, talking about Jesus. His disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon, and are not all his sisters here of them? And they were what? 
offended at him. So here's some people. What is he doing? He's preaching in the synagogue. It's not like he's robbing a bank. It's not like he's doing something mean. He's simply preaching, and they're already offended at him. Verse 4, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not with honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, except he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around the village's teaching, praise God. So here we see another thing, unbelief, say unbelief. Now unbelief is not non-belief because you're always believing something. I don't believe I'm believing anything. Well, you're still believing that you don't believe anything. See, you're always believing something. Some people say, I just go blank. No, you don't go blank. You're believing something all the time. Here it talks about unbelief. So it's not non-belief. It's not believing the right thing. Why would somebody not believe the right thing in the kingdom of God? It's because they've been taught the wrong thing to believe. If you've been taught the wrong thing to believe, then you are in unbelief. The church believes that God heals some but doesn't heal others. Why? Because some get healed and some don't. They believe that God doesn't love me as much as he loves this person because he got healed and I didn't. Some people don't even know. When you pray for them, they say, well, if it be God's will. How many know it is God's will? So all these things are doubt and unbelief that they're dealing with. And because of that, look what it says. It stopped the power of God. Jesus there, it says, he could there. It didn't say he wouldn't. It said he could there do no mighty works. Now, I'm telling you, if that stopped the power of God that was on Jesus from doing something, how many know there's a good chance it's going to stop the power of God on you from doing anything in somebody's life? So basically, what was it? God heals some. God wants to heal. Sickness is for the glory of God. You hear all these things. All these things are unbelief. So what's the remedy for that in verse 6? And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages doing what? Teaching. Say teaching. Notice the remedy for unbelief is to teach people the truth and get their believer in line with the Word of God so that they can receive from God and be agreement with God. That's why we've been teaching the last four, four weeks that Jesus bore your sicknesses, carried your diseases, and with His stripes you are not going to be healed. You are healed, praise God. It already belongs to you. Now you are hanging on. You're standing fast in the liberty where which He has already made you free. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 12. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 6. It says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Chastisement. Say chastisement. If God loves you, basically, he will chastise you or discipline you. Now, how does he do that? He does not put sickness on you to discipline you. How many of you do that to your child when they stepped out of line? Oh, you didn't listen to me again? Sickness on you in the name of No, you wouldn't do that, praise God. So that's not what God is doing. Basically, chasten is to instruct, to train, to educate, to discipline. Like a teacher instructs a pupil, like a parent instructs a child. A teacher and a parent uses various means to instruct their children, to discipline their children, but sickness and disease are not one of them. You can never blame sickness and disease on God. The Bible says, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things? And good things are not sickness and disease. So what's Satan going to do? He's going to lie to you. 
He's going to say, you're sick. Why? Because you did something wrong yesterday and God's teaching you a good lesson now and He's disciplining you. Basically, He's punishing you. He's, he's atoning for your sin. How many of you know Jesus already atoned for all your sins? All you've got to do is confess your sins for He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that eliminates that. But if you don't know that, once again, you will think sickness is from God. For those people who think sickness is from God, basically, I'll just say, are you, are you sure it's from God? Oh, yeah, I, I made a big mistake. It's definitely from God. I said, did you go to the doctor? And they said, yeah. I said, why would you do that? You're in God's will. God wanted you sick according to you. He wanted to teach you something. Now you're going to the doctor and you're thwarting what God wanted to do in your life. He wanted to teach you something through that sickness disease and you're trying to get well. And they say, oh, that doesn't make sense. I said, exactly. See, it doesn't when you put it on the other. It doesn't make any sense at all, praise God. I mean, if I really believe God was making me sick to teach me, then I'd want to learn. I want to stay sick till I learn what God's trying to teach me, praise God. I don't want to get well by the doctor and take pills. See, it doesn't even make sense, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Philippians chapter 1. Jeez. You may laugh. I tell you, you go to some other churches and you talk to people. I'll tell you what, you're going to see some things there. All right, Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 29. It says, For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to do what? Suffer for His sake. Now here's another scripture that people take out of context basically, and basically a lot of people are suffering for Jesus. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Uh, I'm suffering for Jesus. Now what good would it do to suffer for Jesus to begin with? I mean, if he didn't do enough, then we just did all the suffering, and he might as well stayed up in heaven until we suffered our way into the kingdom, which can't happen again. So the word suffer here basically is to hold up under, to bear. To hold up under, to bear. If you believe on him that I am healed, then you will need to bear. You'll need to hold up under. You'll need to suffer why? Because you're going to stand on the Word of God and get free of the attack that's coming on you. When the symptom comes, I'm required to believe on His Word, hold up under the attack, suffering basically as I am able to hold up under this present condition without being smashed. I am able to hold up under this condition without being smashed. Your attitude is I am suffering to win, not to lose, praise God. Suffering I will endure I will hold up under, I will hold my ground to win and keep my present victory. I'm going to stand on the Word of God, stay on the Word of God. And how, how many of you know sometimes that causes suffering, doesn't it? I mean, if you're, if you're going to believe God and get free of a headache, how many know it's a lot easier just to pop two aspirin and it's gone like in 20 minutes? Or if you're going to stand there and say, no, praise God, I'm healed. You get out of my head right now in the name of Jesus. I mean, you might have to put up with it for a little while. It'd be easier just to get rid of the thing, wouldn't it? So there is some suffering there when you're going to stand against those things. How many know there's suffering when somebody offends you and you've got to pray for them? I mean, talk about suffering. That's suffering. Holy Ghost comes to you and chastises you and said, hey, you need to pray for brother so-and-so because you got something against him. Oh, my God. No, I'd rather do anything else than that. Whatever. Three Our Fathers, four Hail Marys, give me anything but that. Praise God. Why is that? Because you don't want to do that. How many know that's suffering? It's suffering to do those kind of things, praise God, hallelujah. So Jesus basically, when he went to the cross, he did his part, and now it's our turn to do our part. 
What am I going to do? He destroyed sickness and disease. So when a symptom comes on me, I am going to endure. I'm going to hold on. I am going to not let go. I am going to suffer and I'm going to get my victory because I'm going to give the devil no place in my life. And what's that called? It's simply called living by faith or by the word of God. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 12. Once again, it's telling you to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, who's got to fight this fight? You or God? You do. You are commanded to fight the good fight of faith. Now, why would I have to fight? Because you have enemies you have opposition in the spiritual realm who are trying to get you not to live by faith and on the Word of God. These enemies, according to the Bible, they are not flesh and blood, but they are principalities and powers in the spirit world. There's only one fight for you as a believer. You're not fighting sin because sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not fighting lack because you've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're not fighting the devil because he's already been defeated. Your only fight is the good fight of faith or staying on the Word of God and in agreement with God. Faith, basically, in a nutshell, is believing and acting and talking in line with the Word of God. If you're going to live by faith, you're going to believe, act, and talk in line with the Word of God all the time to live by faith. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. Here it tells you to profess or confess a good confession, and that good confession is the Word of God. All right, go to James chapter 5. All right, James chapter 5, look at verse 15. Yeah, we got it back to 14. I guess they sort of go together. Look at 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Praise God. So here it's talking about the prayer of faith. Say the prayer of faith. Notice it's the prayer of faith that will save the sick, not the prayer of wish, not the prayer of hope, only the prayer of faith will save the sick. You walk up to somebody and say, are you going to receive your healing? And they might say, I sure hope so. How many of you know that's not faith? You walk up to somebody and say, why do you think you're going to get healed? Well, I know God can do it if he wants to. We're just going to have to wait and see if he does. How many know that's not faith? That's not in line with the word. Wish basically does not know God's will. Basically, he does not know the will, so it's just taking a chance. Well, you know, spinning the roulette wheel. Maybe God wants to heal that morning. Maybe God don't want to heal that morning. I've really got nothing to stand on as far as divine health goes. Are you going to get healed? I hope so. I know it's God's will. Pray for me. So you pray for somebody. You lay hands on them. You anoint them with oil, and you say, are you healed? They say, well, God's going to do it. How I many know that's not faith? I sure hope he does. I mean, you know, that's not faith. Here it says that if they anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith and you agree with them, notice you will be raised up. Hope is always future. Hope always is something out there that you want. Faith 
is always, I have it now. I'm not going to get it in the future. I have it. You can never pray the prayer of faith for healing, finances, or anything if you are wondering whether it's God's will. And that's why what, what is one of the main scriptures in the Bible? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the perfect will of God. So as your mind's being renewed to a lot of things, you're starting to understand, hey, God does love me. My gosh. Hey, God does heal me. God, God does want me whole. God does want me blessed. God does want me. So as the will of God comes, then it allows you to pray the prayer of faith at that time because now you're in agreement with God, not trying to get something from God. See, most prayer that I hear is trying to get God to do something that he already did. Oh, Lord, heal me. You know how much pain I'm in. You know, it's terrible. It's hard going through. Well, he already did, you see? And I figure if I cry enough, I mean, I went through this stage. I cried all kinds of tears, and God, he must shut me out. Never heard a word I said, praise God. Because, because he doesn't deal with feeling. He deals with faith in his word, praise God. So you've got to renew your mind. So praying the prayer of faith is simply believing that God has done what he said he would do. I mean, no, he's not a liar. When the scripture says, by his stripes ye were healed, the prayer of faith says that I am healed. The prayer of hope says, I will be healed hopefully in the future. What keeps the prayer of hope from becoming the prayer of faith? The symptom. Natural evidence. Well, they prayed for me. I don't feel any better. Well, it didn't say when they prayed the prayer of faith over you that you'd feel better. It said that you would be healed at that time. So I'm going to believe that I'm healed because that's what God told me. Now, I've got the Word of God fighting natural symptoms. And how many know the Word of God is bigger, yes. more powerful than natural symptoms if you stay on the Word of God? Faith declares a thing done because God's Word has said it is done. Hope declares that a thing will be done in the future when the symptom goes or the money comes in your bank account. Once the sickness is rebuked, the prayer of faith offered, you must stay in faith to get the healing. Are you following me? So you've got to stay on the Word of God, don't you? Is that hard to do? Of course it is. You've got symptoms in your body. Is it hard to pray, praise God, in the name of Jesus, I need $200 by the end of the month, and I thank you for it, and I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. And the next day goes by, nothing. And the next day goes by, nothing. And the next day the car breaks down, now you need $400. And the next day goes by, and the next day goes by, and pray, <laughs> Why is that? Because natural circumstances will fight against the Word of God. You pray for somebody, I've prayed for people already, anointed them with oil, said, praise God, are you healed? They said, yeah, I'm healed. And I said, how do you feel? They said, I don't know how I feel, it doesn't make any difference because the Word of God says I'm healed. How many know there's a good chance they're going to walk away from their healed, praise God, because they're believing the Word of God. The tempter will come and he'll say, it didn't work, you're not healed. And I'll tell you, for, for some of the young people who, who don't come here very often who have children, they could be saving a lot of worry and a lot of fret if they just understand that they have authority over sickness and disease on their children. Okay, we, when we first started this, we started, we tried this. You understand? Our kids were sick, and I'd go in, they got a fever, and I knew what to do. I'd say, in Jesus' name, praise God, you get off my kid, and you stay off. And I'd go sit in the living room, and the devil would come. Kid will be dead by morning. You better get him to the doctor. I mean, these, these thoughts are coming. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to turn the TV up loud just so I can't hear, but there he is. So what happens after about two minutes, I go back in, and I feel him. I mean, no, the fever was still there. I said, in Jesus' name, be free. I go back out, 
What was it? I wasn't grounded yet, was I? I may have had a root, but I didn't have a plant there yet. Well, later on in our lives, it was easy. You walked, I said, get off of him in Jesus' name. You walked out, you never gave it any more thought, never any more worried, nothing bothered your mind. Why is that? Because I see so many people all over the place with their children getting sick, their children down and out, their children. Man, you got to learn to get that stuff off of them if you're going to live different than the world. That's the way the world handles everything. Use your authority and run that thing out of their life, praise God. Hallelujah. So symptoms says that you're sick, but the word says that you're healed. Feeling says that you're sick but the Word says you're healed. Sight and feeling belong to the natural person. Faith and obedience belong to the spiritual person, the kingdom of God person. Prayer of faith does not always give you an immediate answer. Basically, you've planted the seed, you've watered the seed, now you want to continue to water the seed. How am I going to water the seed? I come up, I don't feel very good, somebody prays for me, says, you're healed, are you healed? Yes, I'm healed, and I'm walking away. Now what am I going to do next? Am I going to go to somebody else and get prayed again? No, that ain't going to work either because I should have believed I received when they prayed back here. Now I'm going to the next one. And why would I go to somebody else? Because I don't feel any different. And I don't feel any different. Well, let's try this one over here. And let's go to Benny Hinn. And then let's go to Rodney. And let's go to this one. Let's go. No, the problem's not on their end. The problem's on your end. See, the problem is you receiving, basically, when it was done. So it was done. So what am I going to do? I'm going to immediately shift into thanksgiving and praise. Thank God I'm healed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why? Because I used the word of God back there. They laid hands on me and it says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I was the sick. They laid hands and I'm recovered. Praise God. Right? Do you feel any better? I don't care if I feel better. Praise God. That's what the word says. Hallelujah. It's so good to be healed. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It is so wonderful to be healed. And you may feel like crap, but I'm so good to be healed. Praise God. I'm just going to walk in divine health. What are you doing? You're fighting the good fight of you do that in your finances. Worry, worry is one of the first things you need to deal with because it's something that everybody deals with all the time. Always worried. You've got to get up. Days when I get up and said, my days of worry are over forever. I ain't worrying anymore, praise God. I ain't worrying. Somebody said, well, you're just too laid back. No, I just don't worry with you. <laughs> Come on now. Why should I waste it? I ain't got that many years the way it is. I want to spend 13 hours a day worrying and the other eight hours sleeping because then I ain't worrying. No, I'm not going to worry anymore. The Bible says, do not worry. He said, cast all your cares upon me. He said, don't be anxious for anything. So if you're going to obey the word and do the word, why not do those things to start with? Because worry get, hits you every single day. Sickness and disease might be once or twice a year, but worry comes every day. Fear. Fear is demonic. Well, I'm just afraid. Then you're in demon land, praise God. Do you see what I mean? And they say... Well, come on. I'm sorry you're afraid. Um, so we'll see if we can get that fear off you. No, get off of there in the name of Jesus. Come back to reality. Cast thoughts and imaginations down. Fight the good fight of faith. You want to live like a victor, then you've got to do more than just show up and not do anything, praise God. You can know all the Word. You can have a whole library full of books that you've read and underlined. But if you ain't doing what those books told you and what the Word of God tells you, you're not growing anyway. you just got a lot of books. So when it says, do not worry, I decided years ago, I'm not going to worry anymore, especially in this church when finances got so bad. I just said, your problem. That's it. I'm done. Praise God. You deal with it. Hallelujah. And how many know as soon as I quit dealing with it, he could. And all once everything started getting better and the finances started coming and everything started working. I said, my God, this was so easy. I wish I'd have known this five years ago. I almost went to the funny farm and here I am now. I'm free. <laughs> praise God. Come on. When you end up there, how many know you worried yourself into it? You feared yourself into it. You got there by not obeying the word of God. If you never worry and never fear, you'll never end up at the funny farm. I'll tell you that right now. Do you see? And these are things you've got to do on an individual basis. These are things other people can't do for you. You've got to be the one basically who does that or, or doesn't get the results of it. All right, Romans chapter 4.
All right, Romans chapter 4, look at verse 18. I'll go back to verse 17. As it is written, God says, I have made thee Abraham the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, who calls those things that be not as though they were? God does, doesn't he? Now, are you God's child? Would you like to operate like God? Then sometimes you're going to have to call those things that be not as though they are. What am I going to do? I'm going to call myself healed, even though my body feels like junk right now. Why? I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. Why? Because they really are. That's the reality of the whole thing. So he's talking to Abraham here, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. And he was about a hundred years and and when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that God, but what God had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed unto him as what? Righteousness, Righteousness or right alignment with God. So here's Abraham. God comes to me, says, I made you the father of many nations. And the first thing Abraham and Sarah did was laugh. Why? Because they couldn't have any kids. She was barren. They didn't have any kids. He was old. And God says, I've already made you. Notice God always, God always speaks to the end result. Did you notice that? He didn't say, I'm going to make you. He said, I've already, made, I've already decided. I have made you the father of many nations. Now it's up to you to agree with me to get to that point of what I told you. Are you following me? So when he tells you, I don't care what your body feels like or how sick you are, when he declares by his stripes you are healed, how many know that's the end result? Now, it's your job to get to that point, basically, if you're not, because you're going to, first of all, you're going to hope against hope. The Word of God brings you hope, but so does the natural realm. So the Word of God says, I'm healed. God, that brings me hope that I'm 100 years old. That takes some of my hope away. My wife's barren. Now I'm losing more hope. Praise God. It's getting worse. But the Word says, but this is what's going on. But the Word says, so what? There was a battle between hope and hope and hope. So what happened pretty soon? He became fully persuaded and when he became fully persuaded basically on what God had said, and you can see this throughout the whole Bible. I mean, God told uh, Joshua to go take, take Jericho. How I many you know when he got to Jericho that he saw the walls that were there? The people inside were taunting him as they danced around the thing, making fun of him. You ain't going to knock this down. Who do you think you are? You can't do anything. But they just kept marching around. Why? Because Joshua, I believe, saw those walls coming down. He knew God's word. He knew it was going to happen. They marched around. They shouted. And when they did, guess what happened? Praise God. The walls fell down right in front of everybody. So when you see people, even when you're praying for, you need to see them healed. That's why you can't sit there and listen to all their problems, then try to lay hands on them. Believe me, they've got them rehearsed. They do. They could write them down frontwards, backwards, however. You don't want to do that. You want to paint the picture of them being healed. You want to paint a picture of them being up, of being strong, of being these things. Why? To bring hope into them, natural hope to go along with the other hope. So we're going to see things before that. We're going to see what, what faith would see. In other words, I'm going to see myself. I'm going to meditate on myself healed. If I was in a wheelchair right now, I'd see myself up. I'd see myself dancing. I'd see myself shouting. I'd see myself running. I'd see myself. I'd meditate on the Word of God because that's the Word of God says. What's it doing? It's building an image on the inside of me that nobody else can really see, but it's changing something on the inside of me. I used to sit there and see myself rich, see myself with all kind of money, see myself. And my biggest problem became, after a while, what to do with all of it? 
First is, am I going to have any? Then I'm going to have a bunch. And now what am I going to do with all I got? Praise God. I don't know. Because the imagination started working. What was that? It's the gateway to the supernatural realm is your imagination. So what you see, that's why as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you actually see. And what does the Word of God do? It wants to continually paint a picture of you. And what is the picture? More than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world king and a priest unto God. God is trying to build his own image back into you that Adam lost when man originally had it. Man was originally created the image and likeness of God. He was just like God. But when he fell, he lost his nature and lost all that. Well, Jesus came back and restored it. But the problem is our spirit is here and our mind is here. So what do we got to do? We got to get our soul to catch up with who we really are on the inside, and that will affect even your physical body because it flows into your physical body then. So you want to see yourself as a winner. You want to see yourself as a victor. You want to see yourself strong. All the songs that we play are there to build you up and give you a picture on the inside of you. That's why we don't pray any whiny, cryy songs because you've got enough whiny cry in the world without coming here. Praise God. Come on. Just as I am without a plea. My God, we'd have to get you all delivered at the end of that service. Come on now. Even the song, it says, that saved a wretch like me. Yeah, well, you were a wretch, but you're not a wretch anymore. He saved you, praise God. Get off in the new creation then. And people buy sermons. Now, you're really getting me off track. People will preach sermons that appeal to your emotions and feelings on TV, and you'll think that the greatest pastor in the world, all they're doing is pulling you down out of the image that God has already given you on the inside. Well, we're just struggling for God, and we're trying to make it through another day. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because what's it doing? It's beating up your feelings and your emotions, and you can feel with them, and you can emote with them, but that ain't helping you. That ain't building the new creation on the inside of you and who you've become. So God wants to paint that picture of who you are. You're a mighty warrior for God, praise God. I'll tell you right now, you are a king and a priest on this earth. You have to dominion over sin and over sickness and disease. And God will just keep beating you with that word. And the Spirit of God keeps bringing that word back to you. But you can't listen to both kinds of junk. You understand? You've got to have a diet of one thing. And that's who you really are and truth. And that will build you up. You can't keep going back and forth. You've got to figure out who's telling you the truth and who isn't telling you the truth. Oh, Lord. All right, go to... There goes all that stuff. All right, go to... Go to First John chapter 5. Got to hit this one yet. Yeah, the Bible tells you to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So what am I doing? I'm not going to get worried when something comes. I'm going to stand against it. I'm going to speak it. Then I'm going to go off into thanksgiving. How do I know if I'm really believing or not? Do you have the peace of God that passes all understanding while you're doing it? Or do you feel like, oh, this ain't working. And I just go back to the Word, meditate on the Word, feed on the Word, build it up. Because if you're really believing God, you should have in you the peace that passes all understanding. If you don't, it's an indicator you're not there yet. Are you following me? You're trying to believe. You're not believing. You're wishing to believe. You're hoping this works. This may work or may not work. Well, you don't want to do that, praise God. All right, where do we go? All right, thank you. 1 John 5, let's look at verse 14. He probably reads it better than I do. 1 John 5, look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, what happens? He hears us. And if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the... 
petitions that we desired of him. Now, that's a good scripture, isn't it? Notice. So verse 14, I have confidence. And this is the confidence that I have if I ask anything according to his what? That means you need to know his will, don't you, again? So my mind's got to renew. Is his will healing for you? Yes, it is. So I know it is. So if I ask according to his word, Father, I thank you for perfect healing in the name of Jesus, and I prayed according to his will, guess what? He hears me. Well, how do you know he hears you? Because he said he hears me. Amen. Are you sure he hears you? Yeah. I wonder if God heard me. Well, did you pray according to his will? Right. If you did, it says he hears you. If you didn't, no, he probably didn't hear you. You can't pray for three wives and have him hear you. <laughs> Are you listening? You've got to pray according to his will. When you do hear, it says he hears you. And if we know that he hears us, well, how are we going to know if he hears us? Well, did we pray according to his will? If we prayed according to his will, then he heard us, praise God. And if we know he did that, whatever we ask, we know that we're going to get sometime in the future, 50 years from now, he's going to answer our prayer. No, we have. When? Right now. Right when I prayed. Not when I get it. Not when it shows up. Not when the symptom leaves. Not when the money comes in. But when I prayed. I know he heard me. If he heard me, it's mine. It's in his will. So that's it. Done deal. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm healed. I've got all the finances I need. Everything's working for me. Praise God. And why is that? Because I prayed and he heard me. You know, one thing Jesus said is, he always hears me. You know, that's bold. You walk into another church and say, you know what? Every time I pray, God hears me. You'll probably get stoned. It'll give you a good chance to pray for healing. Because nobody's going to say, well, you don't, you don't know if God heard you or didn't hear you. You don't know that. That's, that's pride. That's, no, that's what the Word of God says right here. Praise God. If I pray according to His will. And then the Bible says, whenever I pray, I must believe that I have received those things that I desired. Well, when do I believe I receive them? When the pain goes? When the money comes in? When something else happens? No, I believe it. When I prayed... I received it at that time, and then I shall in the future, what? Have it. Are you following me? So what is faith? we got to learn to walk by faith in this stuff. Stay away from unforgiveness. Stay away from fence. Stay away from those things that will lock you up and keep the presence and power of God out of there. And stop worrying about things, praise God. Understand the will of God, and when you understand the will of God, hallelujah, you'll be able to pray and get results every single time that you pray. Because notice, we're trying to get the kingdom of God into the earth. It's not really anything we're doing. We're just finding out what he wants to do in the earth right now, and I want to make sure he can do that in the earth right now through me by lining up with his will at the same time and allowing the kingdom of God to come through me. Say, through me. Notice it doesn't float around in here. The kingdom of God is within you on the inside. So I'm expanding the kingdom of God through being in this will with him, being in agreement with him, and allowing people. Now, is God's will healing? So that when I go to somebody and the Holy Ghost quickens me to pray for them, how many know I'm definitely in line with God's will, ain't I? God don't want anybody sick, praise God. So I can say, Father, praise God, here we go. In the name of Jesus, you come out, you be healed, you be whatever. I know God's with me. I know he heard me. I know he's because I'm praying according to his will. And it says, you shall have it. Now, the problem is with you, you're the only one involved. When you're working with somebody else, their faith makes a difference. In other words, you could pray for them and say, now you're healed by the stripes of Jesus, and they could walk away and tell everybody they're sick as a dog. How I many know it's not going to work that way, even though you believe? So don't judge your results, because the next thing the devil will come through, and that person will get sicker and sicker, and the devil will come, uh-huh, yeah. You better not lay hands on anybody else. You almost killed that one, praise God. He just made them sicker. They weren't that sick to you laid hands on them, blah, 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 blah. And he comes back at you, and pretty soon you'll go back in your little shell, and you won't pray for anybody, and you'll have... No, no, no. You just do your part. I mean, that's all God can do. 
is his part, then he needs our help. It's the same way with you. You can coax people to believe. You can teach them to believe. You can show them how to believe. But basically, it's up to them whether they believe or not. Hallelujah. So unforgiveness, no good. Offense, no good. Unbelief, no good. Walking in faith, definitely a must. Praise God, being in line with God's will. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for what you revealed to us. I thank you, Father, that there are people in this day and age who are going to walk in divine health, that there are churches, praise God, who each and every one is going to live in divine health and going to live totally free, Father. And I proclaim tonight, TCVC is one of those churches, praise God. Lord, I've prayed it. I've received it years ago, praise God. And now the manifestation will come in Jesus' name in this next year. And we thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, praise God. shall be added unto you.